Howdy, partner, and welcome to Tom Hanks Giving, the only Princess Leia leopard print bikini Tom Hanks podcast. I'm your host, Elvis, and today my special guest is... Greg Krajewski. And Greg, why are you one of the more notable guests on this very podcast? Well, besides the fact that uh, I am the mastermind behind the well-known ditty that plays at the beginning and the end of the podcast, I also was one of the original participants in the first ever Tom Hanks Giving, and I've participated from the very beginning. Yes, he is a, a, a true Tom Hanks-er. Uh, and, I mean, again, he wrote that theme song. It's absolutely brilliant. You hear it every week. That Some of you, I'm sure that's why you come to listen to the show. That's I why know. I listen to the show. It's why I edit the show. <laughs> so uh, now we get to finally thank you and congratulate you formally on the show. So thanks for that. Now thank we'll... you, Elvis, for, <laughs> you know, being you. Wow. I mean, it's easy when I'm me. You're so. like the priest of the Tom Hanks giving <laughs> I, I, Religion. I, I prefer bringing the Tom Hanks to the people. I prefer the Cardinal. Cardinal. Cardinal of Thanksgiving. Cardinal Kunish of Thanksgiving. We'll we'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so today we are talking about the 1985 film The Man with One Red Shoe, starring, of course, Tom Hanks, Dabney Coleman, Laurie Singer, with appearances by Carrie Fisher and Jim Belushi, among <laughs> several others. Uh, this movie was directed by Stan Dragody, and it was based on a French film, uh, I'm gonna try to pronounce this, La Grande Blonde avec une Chaussure Noire, that, that was nice, uh, thank you, and that, uh, apparently did not do well in France, and you were, as you were saying right before we started rolling, ten years later, they're like, let's make a, let's make an American version, put Tom Hanks in it, maybe it'll do great, it did not. No, it was... One of the bombs. Yeah, this was his second feature film. No, his third feature film, right mm-hmm. after Splash and Bachelor Party. His fourth uh, feature leading, except uh, his first was a TV movie. So it's kind of negligible of how this counts. But you can tell this is an early performance for, for Tom. It's definitely, yeah, definitely rough. Um, see, I would, I would fault less his performance and more... Everyone around him didn't know what he was capable of. That's true. It's it, and well, and the movie itself is just very bizarre. Uh, yeah. Th- okay, you wanted to go through because you remembered watching this when you were younger. Yeah, I was uh, in a big family. We would go to you know the blockbuster and check out old '80s movies that my parents remembered watching. Uh, so one of them was The Man with One Red Shoe, and uh, I was probably eight or nine. Checked out this movie, had Tom Hanks in it. We were all excited. This is what I remembered. Before I watched the movie, I made a little list here. I remembered that Tom played a guy who played some sort of wimpy instrument, which I don't think violin is very wimpy, but I think at the time I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember that Tom Hanks wasn't the main character, and it was weird because his picture was on the front of the box, (laughs) and he got top billing, and I was like, where is Tom Hanks? Uh, I remember being very bored by the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I remember the butt dress very vividly because... You remember the butt dress yeah, from, like, from when parents, you were a kid. Yeah, because my parents would always like cover our eyes, but it was such a shock and it came so quickly that like it was like imprinted on me, mm. the butt dress. Uh, and I remember that um, Tom lost his red shoe. And it was a plot point. That was that, like, the, the, the movie that you thought it was, was like, 
there was this guy, he wasn't the main character, and then he lost his red shoe, but he saw a girl with a butt dress. But he had to find the red shoe in order to make it, like, Something, okay, like, make it, yeah, like... Take he, the red shoe to Mount Doom and throw it yeah, in the lava. I was pretty sure that the red shoe played a bigger part. It's obviously just, like, a misnomer, or a completely non-sequitur that he's wearing one red shoe, but they sort of half-explain it with Jim Belushi's, like, character, but I never understood what the reason was. Did you get that? Yeah, like, like he, he was... Jim Belushi's character was supposed to be this, like, prankster, but they tried to just pass it off. And at the end of the day, it was all supposed to be one big coincidence, and it didn't matter. The only reason he was picked by this agency as the man, like, the only reason he was in the movie at all is because the guy saw him and he had one red shoe. <laughs> and then it didn't really matter and then also it didn't matter in his own life so there were so many levels of it not mattering and yet they tried to make it significant and it just lost it lost everything yeah so, so the actual story is sort of similar to at least what your childhood uh, memory recalls in that tom hanks is not in it for so much he's it's almost a uh, a case of mistaken identity where yeah. he's set up by two warring factions of government agencies were they both cia I don't well even no because one of them was a senator and the other one was the head of the cia and i guess oh. one was gunning for the other's job or something but they were they were rivals and they bugged each other's houses yeah so i got two... the rivalry didn't get the whole yeah senator were... cia i don't yeah. know it was some struggle for power it was very much like house of cards season two you just kind of checked out <laughs> They choose this guy who has one red shoe randomly to be like the target, so that they can like distract. The yeah, uh, yeah, they can distract the other team from trying to figure out how to prove some defense or something. To in a court date, we never see that trial or. or Don't we at the was. end though? Isn't at the end we like they run in and they said yeah, that's he, the man you're looking for. He I runs in with a gun to the trial he's been waiting on for t- forty eight hours. It doesn't make any sense why you yeah. do that. Uh, it's so ridiculous. And then, yeah, the movie becomes, like, there's these agents uh, from both factions following Tom Hanks, thinking he's a double, double, secret, hidden James Bond agent, but he's really just this violinist who's kind of a, a doofus, who, doofus. Rides, who rides a bike, teaches kids uh, the violin, and has sex with his best friend's wife? Yeah. Now and again, but he feels <laughs> bad about it, so it's okay. But not so bad that he's willing to actually fess up to it, just that he won't have sex with yeah. her anymore. And then he, and then not, he's not into her enough to not go for some other woman who shows up and is like a robot, but is really hot. So then he starts to fall in love with the spy. The the spy for some reason falls in love with him. I guess he's charming. It is Tom Hanks, so I can understand that. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes this kind of ridiculous caper. And like you were saying before, it, it kind of culminates to this, what? And the Tom Hanks movie, it actually reminds me of the most, is The Lady Killers, because The Lady Killers reminds me of Burn After Reading. And this is exactly what this movie is like. That's and, true, actually. And I wasn't a big fan of that movie either, because it was just like, what the hell was that all about? Uh, nothing, I guess. Except... At least Burn After Reading had a... Well, I don't know. I would say this was a pretty good cast. Like, Dabby Coleman is, this is amazing. Good... Lori Singer is terrible. And I think she did Footloose right before this. And then was she Was she, she good in this. Footloose? I can't remember. She was the main girl in Footloose. But was she good? I mean, she was the main girl in Footloose. Like, she was like... 
iconic and was Footloose a good movie? No, but it was whoa, so whoa, iconic. Whoa, whoa. And so, I don't know if hold we want to make It's a fantastic movie, but it's not a good movie. <laughs> you know, like it's not like this piece of art. It's a good piece of like cultural like cultural history. But same with her, you know, she was great in that role. And then they started casting her for other things like this one. And then it was like, no, you don't fit in this. You definitely don't see her as a believable agent. You don't feel like she's had those years of experience. I don't get the impression she's ever killed a person. Yeah, I don't either. And the fact that, you know. Actually, none of these agents have ever killed people. (laughs) And when when the shots actually get fired and they do kill people, it's like. It's an accident. You cut around it really poorly, too. It does not have that impact. Like, there's the one moment where he drops his gun because of the cigar blowing off, and it looks like the gun shoots him, the other guy, in, like, the foot, and he falls down. But then it cuts back to him, and he's like, oh, he's dead. Nope. (laughs) Was he dead? I don't even know. I think they just wanted to keep a PG rating. But Yeah, but it was weird. But Jim Belushi (laughs) kept saying, like, there's three dead men in your apartment. And, like, there were bodies. But there when, were bodies. But when the body, and then he goes in the bathroom, and there's that dead body like hanging on the back of the door. But it's also it looked like its eyes were moving. Its eyes were moving, and he was moaning. He yeah. was moaning. So he, so he, was he wasn't alive. dead. What the fuck is going on? This movie, very confusing. PG thirteen rating. You got half dead <laughs> people. You got a nice butt cleavage. Butt and, cleavage. And you got your Princess Leia leopard print bikini. There's, there's some stuff going on. Do you think the story worked? Oh, that's a great question, Elvis. Um, my initial thought for this whole movie was, it's nice to finally watch a Tom Hanks movie that is as good as it is widely known. That's sarcasm. <laughs> no, it was not a good movie. And uh, I was actually reading some trivia about it. Tom Hanks himself said, yeah, that's not really a good movie. Like, Tom I, Hanks himself came back and said later he was not a fan of that story. Why, do you think this is his least favorite movie that he's done? I don't know, but it has more words than any other, in the title, than it's, any other movie that he's ever done. It is a very long title. I will say, I will give this to the movie. Uh, if you're ever trying to go to a Tom Hanks party or celebrate Tom Hanks giving, it's the easiest costume you can do. Just show up with one red shoe. Oh, that's perfect. It's brilliant. And then you don't have to look like, you know, a cowboy or shave your head and have AIDS. Also, that shoe was awesome. I would I would wear that shoe. I would love that shoe, too. It was a nice shoe. Yeah, it was a really nice shoe. It was, like, bright and, like, sporty. If, if I could find the right shoes, I would actually wear those shoes around just to see if anybody would pick up that, ah, oh, mine was one red shoe. But you what? have to wear one loafer and one red shoe. Yeah, with the, yeah. With the shoelace untied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And carry a violin. Also, did you notice the shoe motif throughout? Like, they would always cut to people's shoes. Like, people would fall and they'd cut to the shoe. Or they'd be walking and they'd cut to, like, slow motion shoe walking. Yeah. Like, throughout it, the it, whole it, movie. You're right. It felt like they were almost trying to do something with it. Yeah, they like, kept trying to pull significance to the shoe, there but was there was no, no significance. Yeah. Yeah, because it was like, well, the movie's named after the shoe. It's got to do something for us. And it did, it did absolutely nothing. It was, it was just that non sequitur at the beginning, the coincidence. And, uh, uh, yeah, I feel bad because we're kind of, we did Dragnet last week and the week before was Lady Killers. And I feel like these are all kind of lower quality Tom Hanks films. Uh, but why, let's figure out why that is. Because this is, this is, 
this is not a very good movie. Uh, it's it's coming off. He's still early in his career, and obviously the script has. I mean, like, there's a lot to blame there because it didn't even do well in its original country. Yeah, it just perfectly executed. This movie would still not have been good. I I really think the re- the main reason for me it didn't work was if if they would have gone full out farce. I would have at least had moments where I would have laughed. But even the the areas in it where they were trying to bring up all these gags, they were trying to do these like little bits, they weren't funny because they were trying to ground it in this reality. And it was like, oh, this goofy thing's happening on screen, but it's not funny. Like the, uh, like the guy when he was walking through, uh, he's talking to the CIA guy and his house is bugged, so they have to go outside. And like it's the CIA guy and his assistant. And so they go outside to avoid the bugs and the guy turns on the sprinklers and the sprinklers are going everywhere and his assistant's like walking around getting wet. It's like, this isn't funny. Like, is this supposed to be funny? And there are huge gaps where like laugh gaps where the guy's like swatting at the water and trying to like cover himself, but it's not funny. And it just hangs on it for way too long. And then he makes a comment about like, oh, you're all wet. It's not funny. The pacing in this movie kills all the comedic timing. Like, yeah. there's some joke, like, I, I enjoyed the, the amusing gag of he comes in and turns on his sink faucet and the shower turns on. Like, that's yeah. humorous. Like, I, I imagine being in that situation and be like, what the fuck is going on? And it's like, yeah. it's it's definitely, it ties into what was just happening. We're seeing consequences, so that's nice. It doesn't really go anywhere because I guess Tom Hanks' character is just not smart enough to be yeah. like, Putting pieces together, like when she, when it's revealed, like he's running from people and she's a spy. It's like he had no idea. Like it was never he was figuring yeah. things out, which doesn't say a lot to his character. And I don't know why the Laurie Singer agent would be really into him, because like they have completely different lifestyles. I don't understand that at all. Let's. Yeah, I I don't understand that. They at first you're like, oh well, she's just trying to get to know him to like figure things out, and it's all like. Uh, because in that meeting with Dabney Coleman, the, the, the guys who are trying to get Tom Hanks and get him to admit that he's a secret agent, so Dabney Coleman's ahead of that, they have that meeting, and they're talking about who he is, and they show like pictures of him growing up and how he played the violin growing up, and then uh, this psychiatrist that we never see again stands up, like, what do you think, doctor? And he's like, well, I think that this man has a lot of repression." sexual repression (laughs) and then suddenly it's like oh well we need a sex goddess to come and you know fortunately we have one on our team yeah because obviously that's all she's good for according to the script um yeah although that guy was he a scientist or was he a psychiatrist because i thought he was just a a a handwriting expert and they pulled all (laughs) of that out from his handwriting I think you're right, actually. It's just a handwriting expert. You can tell if someone's very sexually repressed based on how they curve their R's. There we go. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is why I don't write things out anymore. Yeah, you got to type it out. You can't, yeah, uh, you can't yeah. tell how hard up you are if you're typing. Yeah. But, yeah, so she goes and tries to seduce him. And then she falls for him, but there's no reason why she should have fallen for No, him. I mean, it, it kind of falls into that, that unfortunate category of, like... It still happens, unfortunately, but it's, it was especially worse in the 80s where it's like, oh, the woman falls in love with the guy because he's the main character. Yeah. that um, He's so attractive in his main character-y way. 
Yeah. How the story's about him. She runs into him at the airport, but their first real scene together um, is in, you know, his apartment. And she has to hide the spies who have gone yeah, to tear Yeah, they, they've broken in. They've, uh, they're bugging it. They're kind of looking through his stuff for evidence. And then he comes back because he was afraid to go to the dentist because of another thing that went wrong. And uh, That's his worst scene, the one with her, the yeah. first scene they had together. Well, worst scene. It's also just terrible. Like I don't care what the girl looks like. If you don't know her and you walk in, there's just someone in your house. You're like, whoa. Yeah, he... I mean, I guess he knew her. He rec- recognized her, but still, that's like... What the, f- what the yeah, hell's he, going on? He goes and instantly tries to seduce her, but which I'm not faulting Tom Hanks's performance specifically because I feel like if I was an actor and got that line and was trying to do it all out, <laughs> I would have... Like, I'm not faulting him for what he did. He I does, think he doesn't have a lot. If, this, once again, the plot, if she really was trying to figure out if he was a double agent. And if he really was a double agent, I feel like he would have gone in and knew instantly something was up. Yeah. And just that would have blown the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of holes in this movie. And not the kind of holes you can just breeze past and it's fine because it's a movie. Yeah. This is just like, I mean, you're paying attention to them because there's nothing going on. You're Bor- forced past them because <laughs> the next scene begins. Where's his best scene? Is there a All star-making right. scene in this movie? I have a best scene for Tom Hanks. Don't know if it's star making. Yeah, I would not call it star making, but it is Tom Hanks formative. It's the very first scene uh, where he talks. Well, pretty much where the one with the kid where he's teaching the kid violin. That's it. That's the one. And he, he's telling the kid like with passion, gone more. (laughs) And then he does his, um, He's like, do you want to leave? And the kid's like, yeah, I want to leave. He's like, yeah. Like, here's some Tom Hanks. Tom, like, I'm feeling for him. I'm like, okay, this guy's pretty cool. Like, well, it's like the only time. Goofy. It's the only time he's written as a person, and yeah. like he's interacting with another human being. Yeah, he, I feel like you're right. He's he's there. <laughs> that's that's probably the best scene. It comes really early in the movie. Yeah. And then I uh, I uh, Jim Belushi calls him and is like, do you want to see your shoe again? And he's like still trying to go up with the shoe ruse. And then Tom Hanks just comes up and he goes, yeah, you're really slaying me here. <laughs> There's another one. He's just like, yeah, Tom Hanks, give me more of that. Every, anytime Tom Hanks is just kind of frustrated, but it's like understandably so. Like that's that's good Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. And there's not enough of that in this movie. Most of it's just like blustering, what's going on, Tom Hanks? I'm attracted to women that are throwing themselves at me, but it's wrong to have sex with my friend's wife. I'm really interested about, in, in 1985, as this was his third feature, mm-hmm. what was it that audiences wanted from Tom Hanks? Because I watched uh, the original trailer on YouTube, and instantly, the first thing they say is like, what do you think is bugging Tom Hanks? Like, he was billed, this movie was marketed it was, around Tom Hanks. Okay, well, What I'm... was it? about him that people liked so, so he was much. he was big i mean i always feel like when big came out that's when he became superstar big. uh obviously <laughs> but uh, so yeah, even going back to here he's getting that top billing he's like this is a this is why you're going to see this movie is because we're selling it tom hanks not because the movie's going to be any good but because you want to see tom hanks yeah. uh i think a lot of it was from bosom buddies so i think people liked watching tom hanks be 
you know, kind of goofy, funny. Like, that's, I mean, he was in comedies all throughout the 80s. So, I don't know if they're getting funny Tom Hanks out of this movie. But I think that's what they were trying to do. Because it's obviously intended to be a comedy. But it's weird. The direction of this movie, there's so much time spent on the mechanics of the spy game. And, like... We spend a lot of time in that underground, like, weird bomb shelter. Bunker, and it, CIA it, lair. It, it's all kind of interesting, but it's like we're, we're spending time on the things we shouldn't be for this kind of movie. We're supposed to be laughing, so, like, let's make the jokes yeah. have the punchy stuff. and Even the trailer. The trailer was more entertaining than this movie. Because it was like, you know, the narrator, like, what would happen if this guy went over here? And it's, like, goofy music, and it's, like, the comedy of the summer. Oh my god, Man no. with one red shoe. That's a bad summer if this is the comedy of that summer. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I, it was 85, so this was going up at least at some point during the year against Back to the Future, so this had yeah. no chance. I mean, none of Tom Hanks' scenes, except the one where he had that flirtation, the first flirtation with... Um, Lori? Girl. Yeah, Lori. Girl, you know, girl. Uh, except for that one... I think he, one thing I noticed very clearly is that he knew what he was doing in front of that camera. Yes. He never was uncomfortable or awkward. You know, he, he, he knew what he was supposed to do on that screen and he delivered it the best way he could with what he had. Yeah, no, he's definitely working with the material. This is not an instance where it feels like he's sleepwalking because uh, outside of uh, the last episode where we're talking about Dragnet, it, this is one where it seems like he's really trying, as he almost always does. Uh, but there's just not a lot for him to work with. Another example where I see him pulling it off is like every time he's playing the violin, like I buy that he knows how to play that violin. Uh, yeah. When they're performing the concerts, he's there with them. He seems like he's one of the lead guys. Uh, and then yeah. when he's teaching it, like he has a real authority with playing the violin. So that's a nice thing that he was able to take and make a real part of his character. Yeah, and I don't know if Tom Hanks knows the first thing about the violin, but I always hate it when um, in movies people play instruments and it's extremely obvious that they have no idea what they're doing. Like Carrie Fisher was playing that flute, and she was playing the hell out of that flute, but it was very clear that she had no idea how to play the flute. But Tom Hanks, he he was moving with the music. He was like moving his fingers in a mm-hmm. way that looked believable. Um, I, yeah, he he committed to that. He obviously took the time to learn how to hold a violin to make it look proper, and that's just something that I don't think a lot of people would do. Yeah, and that's that. Uh, that goes back to what you were saying. Like he knows how to be on camera. Uh, yeah, he knows how to play for that, and like even the some of the weirder, cheesier scenes. But like where he comes in and he's got uh, blonde spy girl's hair caught in his zipper. Like yeah. he knows how to be make that as funny as possible. I don't think it was shot as funny as possible. No. And it's so weird with, like, the the five people watching from behind glass running. <laughs> and then, like, so is it just normal for Laurie Singer's character to just fuck people in front of the... Is that her I'm assuming job? so. That's so weird. Yeah. I mean, what is that all about? How often do they need to do this? <laughs> Where they have this whole thing set up. I liked, um... Is this I a liked, one-time really... rental? Or... Yeah, I think that was an instance of Tom Hanks was doing his best, but Laurie Singer just couldn't deliver. Like, yeah. with the, it just what she was doing was not funny. 
There was one little bit where when they went around the corner to go in the bathroom and it looks like she's just being dragged. Yeah. Like that made me laugh. But you couldn't even see her face, so I couldn't necessarily chalk that up to her either. What do you think her best moment was? Because um, because I would say it was the the turnaround and we see the butt dress, but <laughs> <laughs> terrible. I know, no, no, uh, that was so eighties, like painfully eighties <laughs> sexual repression. Yeah, this is gonna be a sexy movie, audience. Like and then there was yeah, when when it's like right after we revealed he has he is sexually repressed, he's at the baseball game, and then it cuts to like the close-ups of her running and being all sweaty and the music, <laughs> and it's like what. what? Why? How would he notice her right away? Like, what's going on? Like, it's hit with that baseball, he falls, and then suddenly she's over him, like, on top of him, and the game is apparently still on. Mm-hmm. And then she's, just, like, deadpan, like, are you okay? Oh, I really feel like there's something here. Like, I'm feeling it. And, and what kind of a douchebag friend uh, Morris is, Jim Belushi, who just, like, who is this stranger that's going to take my friend who might have a concussion? I mean... <laughs> I guess it karmically works out because Tom Hanks is a really bad friend too, but yeah. uh, weird relationships in this movie. I'm trying to think of a good scene for Laurie Singer because like, I imagine she's good at something, but like the spy stuff was never to her strength. She was really good at uh, singing and dancing in Footloose. Well, I actually, I don't know if she sang. I can't remember. She probably too... danced though. She probably danced we, though. We I can... mean, that was impressive. Yes. She's apparently a trained concert cellist, too. Maybe she was playing the wrong part. I know. She should have been playing the man with one red shoe. Yeah. Tom Hanks should have been Laurie Singer. Ooh. I yeah. would like to I would see watch that. his curly hair caught in someone's zipper. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Actually, another performance thing that was really bizarre to me. Once again, totally the script's fault. So we have the first scene where he's just, like, trying to hit on her, and it's awkward, and it doesn't make sense. And then later with the zipper scene, she's calling him into the bedroom. She's like, come here, come here, like, have sex with me. And then he is such a gentleman. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's, like, no sexual repression. He's just the nicest guy. He's like, I wrote this violin song for you. What? And she's that? like, I don't want this to be a, I don't want this to be a, a one-night one stand. stand. He's like, no, I don't want it to be either. And, like, you believe him. And then he's like, I wrote this song for you. And, like, I feel like I believed him when he's like, I wrote this. Like, it wasn't until I met you. Which, speaking of, when he hums in the beginning, like, he's brushing his teeth yeah. in the champ, And he hums notes. It proves that Tom Hanks can hold a tune, but he's never yet sang in a movie. Except he has. Press. He has sang twice which, in a movie. Which movies? He's, we, ta- we just talked about this on Dragnet last week. He talked. Oh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nice save. <laughs> the audience has no idea we're not we're recording these the same weekend. Um, <laughs> no, and during that he he sings, in the rap in the end credits of the movie, which we thought uh, was probably the reason why it was so bad. He never wanted to sing in another movie. So when they hired him for Toy Story, he's like, "You're not gonna make me sing, are you?" <laughs> and then they finally did in Toy Story too. Yeah, they did. Um. But yeah, he can hold a note, and that, that actually that mirror scene is another example of like you really buy him as, as a composer too. Like he, yeah. you can see it. Like when he's writing it down, there's the it's just I buy it, and that's another great scene. I love, and actually when you get to the the scene where he's playing her the song, like that really works. He's yeah. he's he's buying it. it. It's inconsistent with what we've seen before a little bit. That's again the script as you're saying, 
but uh, yeah, that's a that's a nice little scene, and even the cutaways to all the other characters being like charmed by it. I'm I'm down. Like the mm-hmm. the two Ben and Jerry goofballs. Like um, I, I don't know why, but they remind me of Ben and Jerry from uh, the City Slickers movie. Or Stantler uh, and Waldorf. Yeah, <laughs> if they and, were like mobile. It, yeah, I don't know. It, was he sexually repressed? I can't. I can't. Oh. I mean that one scene where he first sees her. Yeah, he's sexually repressed, but no, only I think he's just that's the script. I think he's just horny because he was a hot girl and he was a guy who hadn't gotten laid because he's finally feeling bad about having sex with his best friend's wife. She's hilarious, by the way. Carrie Fisher was a delight. Let's talk about Carrie Fisher because wow, that was I think the best. That was my favorite scene with two people. When was, it was Carrie and Tom Hanks, they bounced off each other really well. They do. In and fact, I really appreciated that. They bounce off each other so well, I think they should be in another movie together. Let's hope that happens someday. <laughs> uh, no, no, they're great. I love the scene. Like, it's completely bonkers, but, like, she's really, really funny when she's doing the whole Tarzan bit, the weird kinky side when she's in the bikini, and it's like, wow, she can be, like, really sexually empowered. But then when she gets dressed, she's, like, so librarian and bookish <laughs> yeah. and nebbish, too, and her glasses are so perfect. It's like, you would never expect those to be the same character. I know, right? If anything, she's the sexually repressed one. Yeah! That's what <laughs> she it's... She should have been Tom Hanks in the Oh, movie. my gosh. That would have been a great... Oh, I would have loved to see that movie, just to see how she played with that. Because, she, yeah, she's got some weird business going on with how she can't get on with her husband and yeah. sublimating it with Tom Hanks. I didn't even recognize her when she was coming down the escalator in the beginning of the movie. She's, like, shouting to Tom Hanks. Didn't even recognize her. She Yeah, she blends really well when she's got that well, costume on, those glasses. Like, you, yeah. you don't see her. Uh She's, yeah, she's one, there's not a whole lot to say about her, I don't think, but she's great in this movie. We can go back to the symphony scene, which, by the way, looks like the most expensive scene ever shot, because it's like a full house and like a full symphony, and they're actually playing. But, uh, <laughs> what was going on, I've, I've been to multiple symphonies, if, if a symphony would stop, like if something stopped the music, I... <laughs> It's like the most awkward thing I can possibly imagine happening in a symphony. That was probably one of the more successful awkward scenes. It didn't really make too much sense because like Carrie was seeing that Tom was looking at Lori, but then Jim Belushi's looking at Carrie and gets mad and starts banging the drums. And I don't even know what was going on. And then that's when the two rivals meet because they're in the opposite balconies of <laughs> of the thing and they look at each other and they smile and it's like, what? And at the same time, the <clears throat> missile defense system for America is <laughs> listening to Tom Hanks playing the violin. Yeah, trying to decode something, which was... That never went anywhere. They didn't even, no, like, talk it about even it. funny. I have one more major Tom moment that I really liked. When he was, he was sitting at the piano, he was playing the piano, and, like, his phone starts ringing. Mm-hmm. And I... Uh, he goes, what? Who is that? Like in the Tom Hanks way, he just shouts, what? Who is that? To like the door and then Carrie Fisher comes in. <laughs> but he just like shouts in like a Tom Hanks way, like throws down his headphones. Do you think that's the Hanksiest line in this movie? I think it's either that one or when after he hit on the girl at the beginning when he's about to fate and he goes, no, mom, I'm not watching TV. I'm practicing. <laughs> I think, I think that the, the, 
passing outline is more Hanks in spirit. But just like the way it's always his voice where it's like, ah, I think it's going to be how he's, he's always yelling at the door. Definitely not Tom Hanks delivered, but it wasn't enough to save the movie. Tom Hanks delivered, but it wasn't in 30 minutes or less. If the movie, the same movie happened in 30 minutes, it might have been funny. A great movie. <laughs> no, it wouldn't have been great. It would have been funny. No, no movie is great that's 30 minutes long. Short <laughs> film. That's better. <laughs> you could have a great short film that's 30 minutes, but I don't know if I've ever seen one. There you go. You can have a pilot that's great that's 30 minutes. My audience, send Elvis your favorite 30-minute short films. Or your favorite 30-minute feature film. 30-minute <laughs> feature. Uh, we will be the judge. That'll be our next podcast. Um, 30 minutes or less. I have it. We didn't, we didn't touch on this, but uh, the first shot in this movie mm-hmm. is of Dabney Coleman's sunglasses staring up at the sky. He pulls them off Horatio Sands style, and then we're just kind of in the middle of this crazy... Is that, like, I don't, I don't even understand the mechanics of the beginning. It's supposed to be a setup, but for whom? Because there's this car they're transporting, and it's filled with cocaine. All the, the tires are filled with cocaine. And Dabney Coleman's people cause it to fall, but once that happens, that's why the CIA dude comes under fire, because one of his agents was blamed for it? But then why is Dabney Coleman struggling the whole movie to, to figure things out? I think he's struggling to, because he thinks that Tom Hanks' character will be able to point a finger at him. Yeah. So he's trying to find out as much as he can about him before he testifies. But yeah, that that sunglasses. It, it says nothing. <laughs> Set up the whole movie. It says nothing about the movie, and we've had <laughs> so a lot of movies that are it's like, well, that doesn't really say anything specific. But like this feels like the emptiest. First shot I've seen in a Tom Hanks movie is yeah. nothing interesting, uh, and I, I'm not even going to draw it out. The end of the movie is just a shot of the weird CIA dudes, like the guy from uh, I think he's the the stepfather in Lost Boys uh, takes over as the head of the CIA, and then he flies away in a helicopter victoriously. And this last shot is just the helicopter. It's like what? That's it? What? <laughs> what is this it movie? It should have at least been a shoe. It's yes. Uh, what is this movie about? It's about nothing. It's if any if this movie's about anything, it's about the hopelessness of affecting any sort of system beyond your control that run the country. That's too deep. It's for true. Its, own it's absolutely too deep. You're giving it way too much credit here. Yeah. Uh, can I can I bring up my in my opinion, the most or the worst gag in the film, it they, starts out promising. So Tom I, Hanks, oh, he starts flushing the toilet because they accidentally repiped his pipes. So when he flushes the toilet, a little spurt of water comes out of the faucet. Mm-hmm. So he's like flushing, flushing, flushing. And then it cuts to an ambulance where they're listening and apparently they bugged his toilet so you can hear it. And it's just too loud, so people outside of the ambulance can hear the flushing toilet. And this guy, like, from another car looks at the ambulance, and he's confused. And then the ambulance dries off, and he, like, looks to see if there's, like, water on the pavement. Yeah, that was weird. 
Anytime think, they use the ambulance, it was weird. It, it keeps going, though, because they assume he's flushing evidence. And you almost have this promising thing where it's like, get a man in the sewer. The movie keeps cutting back, like, three different times with no consequence to this character they throw in the sewer. And it builds to this moment where he's looking into... Or, for no reason, apropos of nothing, he turns a, uh, a wheel um, on a pipe, and then he just hears rushing water, and he has plenty of time to get out of the way. But nope, <laughs> just a geyser of water hits him, and he's like, oh no! Isn't and then he starts tumbling himself. Yes. <laughs> why, and why would that be down there? Why would he to- choose that to turn to find this evidence? <laughs> this whole movie is just... It fumbles so much with any of its comedy. Like, was there a moment where you laughed? You genuinely laughed? Like, I think when Tom Hanks screamed at the door, I genuinely laughed. <laughs> and that's just Tom Hanks being. I, I think I, I think there were some chuckles with with him and Carrie Fisher. Messing yeah. Around. I don't I don't know if I ever laughed at Jim Belushi. I did once. Yeah. When he, the guy like points a gun to his head and he turns around and he gives him this look of like, what are you doing to me? Like. Jim Belushi had a great look at one point. The other thing is he Jim Belushi breaks the fourth wall. He looks he directly at the camera. He's like, "Oh, come on." So, are we supposed to take that as he's literally gone insane or is the movie don't ca- doesn't care anymore and he's actually breaking the fourth wall? I think uh, I think him breaking the fourth wall and saying, "Oh, come on," made me yell at my screen and say, <laughs> "Oh, come on." That was an infuriating fourth wall break. <laughs> yeah. What okay, what do you think about him his ending of the movie. Like, this is, for any, for all intents and purposes, maybe he's kind of a, a, an obnoxious friend because he plays pranks where he makes you wear a shoe because that's a prank. But, uh, so maybe he's not, like, the most fun friend to hang out with. But this is a guy whose best friend is cheat or his wife is cheating on him with his best friend. They're not telling him. And they're completely manipulative about it. And he's trying to be a decent friend. Uh... Uh, but he keeps he he's a little paranoid sure but he's almost right to be paranoid because his wife is fucking around on him and yeah. the movie ends with him like getting beaten over the head and terrified and emotionally scarred from seeing all these dead bodies that it leaves him clinically unstable and he's <laughs> checked into a mental institution and then he this makes this wins his wife over for him because she or he needs her now and then they just fuck in a tree this is what happens to this character. Yeah, he, he really is the most likable character. He's the nicest guy. The only thing he does that's questionable is threaten to shoot Tom <laughs> Hanks because he was sleeping with his wife. But of course he wasn't going to go through with it. Like, no. He's the nicest guy in the movie, and they just, you know, they screwed don't, him over. They don't, they don't really play him as a nice guy. I think they kind of play him as, like, the doof. Like, I, find, I feel like the movie wants you to feel like he deserves... All the misery that comes, but no. written as written, he is the nicest guy in the movie. Yeah, it's there's this weird dissonance there, where, like movie, you're doing it wrong. Like this guy is actually textually very nice, and I feel so bad for him. And like, what does that even say? Like, are we supposed to be laughing when he's like, no, he's insane now, and he's going to have sex in a tree in public with his weird kinky wife? I guess yeah, she's but happy. His wife is, is nice again, and they're all gonna be better and marriage saved. Well, I guess it works because they finally got to play Tarzan for real. I think that's why she's oh, into it. Well I, then, uh, yeah. 
I wonder if Tarzan was a big sex thing back in the 80s. Do you think... I don't know when that movie came out or when the newest of movies would have come out by then. I think uh, that's that... a Googleable thing. It is. I'm not going to Google sex, it, Sex, Tarzan, 80s. I don't want to see all that business. It's just research. But, but listeners, if you were alive and sexually active in the 80s, let us know if you've ever played Tarzan in the bedroom. Write to us uh, <laughs> at Tom Hanks Pod on Twitter or our Gmail if you've got long stories. Uh, TomHanksPod at gmail.com. Yeah. Get on that Tarzan. Get on that Tarzan. <laughs> Bring the 80s back. Hashtag Tarzan. Speaking, speaking of the 80s, let's talk about our boy Thomas Newman. Oh, yeah. Who, who's wonderful. Mm. We're both big fans. Uh, all of his work at Pixar, his stuff in American yep. Beauty, which so wonderfully scored the death of Pumpkin Steve in a very special detective science. True. Uh, what do you think of his movie, his music here? <laughs> can, I, can I say anything bad about Thomas Newman ever? Um, <laughs> this there, might be your one opportunity. <laughs> there were a few musical numbers that I heard Thomas I heard him. He was doing like doodly things with the synths and there were like strings going. Nothing dramatic, but mm-hmm. in some of the fun like action-y comedy scenes, there was like doodly music playing that I was like, I feel Finding Nemo here. Like I can, I can dig for it and pull it out. <laughs> really? But, yeah, there were a couple scenes I'm like, I feel Thomas Newman. But no, the whole thing as a whole is just 80s. Because I kept listening for Thomas Newman. I was like, where is it? Where I couldn't find it. And I think it was just because there was that weird slide whistle that kept distracting. Yeah. What yeah. was that all about? It's like, we have to remind people that this is a comedy every now and again. <laughs> yeah. So weird. And then they're like, the, the, there's a scene at the end where they're being chased and there's they're going to shoot each other. And it's this big, dramatic, not even remotely comedic set of scenes where they're being chased, and this music in the background is playing, and it's like this just super happy, like, come on, we're gonna run! <laughs> it's just repetitive, and they just keep reusing it. That was bad. It was, you know, the 80s were not the, the best time for music. Well, I don't know, actually. There's some of the best some of the great music ever came music, out of the yeah. 80s. I take back what I said. I mean, Footloose, for God's it sake. It had highest highs and the lowest lows. It and did. And it had Footloose. What, what else can we say about this movie? I think the real question is, should anything ever be said about this movie ever again? Okay, do you want to get, are you trying to frame the conversation of, <laughs> where does this rank in the Tom Ranksgiving of all worst to best Did Tom you just come up with that? The last podcast, maybe? Yeah, when we do the last, when this podcast is over and we've seen every single Tom Hanks film, we will do Tom Ranksgiving and hey, we'll find hey. worst to best. The tricky part is I would not rank them I would not rank this film in some of Tom Hanks's worst performances. This is not his worst performance. No. I would not put it down there. I would put the movie down there. This I, is one of his worst movies. I agree. I think the movie is certainly much worse than the performance. The performance isn't good. It's it's fine. It's fine. And in, in places it's in Tom places Hanks. it's good. Again when he's 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 writing the notes on the the mirror when he's being a violinist when he's talking to the kid. He's yeah. got good moments, but the yeah. performance is it's all right. Yeah. Movie very boring. Like I watched Dragnet and I kind of shared on that movie last week, but that movie you can watch and some of the jokes work. Yeah. Uh, the performance is, is maybe a little worse there, but I think that's more again due to the inconsistency of the writing. So similar to this this movie. Yeah. Uh I, th- I think I still think yeah 
I think I would rather watch Cloud Atlas than I would rather watch One Man with One Red Shoe again. See, but you can watch one Cloud Atlas or two Men with One Red Shoes. Yeah, I don't know. Way. I don't. I don't know. The one thing I before I even rented this, I saw that it was only an hour and a half. I'm like, well, at least if it's not good, it's only an hour and a half. That's so true. That's redeeming quality. It's you not get, terribly you, long. You get through this movie pretty quickly, although it doesn't feel like it unless Tom Hanks is on screen. Yeah, sure. All of the scenes with the CIA dudes and the, the secret meetings, they take so long. They could have been a fourth of their size. I don't think yeah. you would have lost anything. You would have gained everything. And Dabney Coleman, I love him, but even he, he was just working with what he had, and what he had was not good. Nobody was soaring in this movie outside of, I think, Carrie Fisher, who was just like, yeah. I'm going to have the most fun in this movie. Yeah, she did. She, she, was, the, she was the hero of this movie. Jim Belushi was like, I'm, I'm gonna give my, give it a go, but I think yeah. they, the script just really did a disservice to him. Like, let's make they really, they really wanted him to be the despicable guy, and he was not. One more thing I have to say about Tom Hanks's character. I think it would have been funnier because I was reading about the original film when I first um, was, you know, looking at this, and they were saying that in the French film he was more hapless and more oblivious, and so it kind of worked better because even though things were happening around him, he didn't notice and he was just oblivious and it was funnier that way. But Tom Hanks was trying to fix the problems as they came up. Mm -hmm. And it, because of that, it made it less funny because he was just a real guy trying to fix these weird things happening around him as opposed to like, there was no comedy in his interaction with any of that was going on because you felt bad for him. Like he was just a normal guy. He was just a, trying to do his best and and all this stuff kept happening around him that just wasn't funny yeah and he did not play it funny because he wasn't told to that's the problem i mean tom hanks is such a resourceful guy he's such an every everyday hero that he's gonna try and solve his problems instead of being completely clueless yeah uh, again not a bad performance but not not a good movie yeah like i said if it was full farce like if it was a screwball comedy and, and, yeah this movie could be could amusing, have been okay yeah. but uh it, it's far from okay if this uh tom hanks movie were an ice cream flavor greg which ice cream would it be um you know when you leave ice cream in the freezer too long and it and it just gets freezer burn taste it would be red velvet freezer burned ice cream that's been slightly melted and refrozen. So it's like maybe it would have been good if it was eaten properly, but at the end of the day, it's been sitting too long. It it wasn't it just wasn't there. Okay, so it's it's the man with one red velvet scoop. Gotcha. The one with one, the man with one red velvet scoop that has melted and refrozen and not taste good. I would not eat that. I get. The, I yeah. And like at one point, it could have been good, but it's long past its its prime. I yeah. get that. I I think that's uh I think that's an accurate representation. I think uh, it's uh, filled with sexual rep repression and filled with sexual. <laughs> it's like sexual repression sprinkles. Yes, and uh, yeah, that's that's a great way to sum up this movie. What about you? Ice I, cream flavor. I no. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. Red velvet with, red velvet with sexual repression sprinkles or Jimmy's if you're from, uh, Pittsburgh. They're called I always, Jimmy's. I, I always uh, wanted there to be a Ben and Jerry's flavor that was called just Jimmy's. So it's just 
uh, vanilla ice cream with tons of sprinkles on. But I actually made a mock-up design of the uh, of the of the what do you call it a carton. a carton? I guess it's not a carton of ice cream. It's a pint of the pint, pint of the pint case. And it was just Jimmys from different movies and TV shows. So there's Jimmy That's James awesome. from News Radio, Jim Hawkins from Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> uh, probably who are some famous Jims? Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi from this movie, though. Yes, for, of course, from this movie, Jim. Jim Henson. Jim Henson was on there. Yeah, yeah. Jim. Uh... What about do James work? Someone who's James, because technically isn't Jim short for James? It is, but this is just Jimmy's. Jim. Oh, Jim Kirk from Star Trek. Didn't have him on there, but he could be. He's totally allowed. He's, he's a Jim. He's in the Jimmy Club. He's in the Jimmy Club. <laughs> Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. <laughs> All right, that was The Man with One Red Shoe, originally released uh, July 19th, 1985. This is the 30th year anniversary. Probably should have mentioned that up front. But yeah, that is the movie in all its unsettling glory. Next week, we are starting a brief hiatus. We're taking off a couple weeks here at Tom Hanks Giving because we have a few things we're retooling on our... Uh, parent sites, and we have a couple things, new fun ideas in the pipeline for Tom Thanksgiving that I think you guys will really enjoy. Those might not come quite as quickly as when we return with the podcast, but just know that some big fun stuff behind the scenes is coming. So thank you so much for joining for these first couple of episodes. We can't wait to come back with more Tom Hanks. In the meantime, you can, of course, follow us on Twitter at TomHanksPod. Send us an email at TomHanksPod at gmail.com. We are on iTunes. Subscribe there. Leave us a rating. There's, like, stars you can give. Obviously, five is going to be what you're going to go for, I think. Uh, Or you can leave us a comment uh, on there. That'll help people find us because more people need to know about Tom Hanks and all of the great things he's done and The Man with One Red Shoe. Greg... Where can people find you? What what do you, what do you have to plug? Tell us about you. You can uh, listen to my theme song for the Tom Thanksgiving podcast <laughs> every Tom week here podcast. on Tom Thanksgiving. Uh, and uh, I got I got nothing else that I'm I'm working on right now. I'm working on a couple of things, but nothing that's uh, out there yet. So stay tuned for amazing things. Well, I've got something for Greg. If you want to go to uh, utterentertainment.com and watch The Windy City, you can see Greg Kryeski in some of yeah. his finest acting performances in scenes that are funnier than The Man with One Run Shoe. I'm going to make that bold yes. claim right here. I'm going to make that jump too. We've made funnier comedy than The Man with One Run Shoe. <laughs> yeah. It's called The Windy City. We're not going to say it's very great, but you can watch it there. Check yeah, it out. Yeah. Uh, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for being on the show, Greg. Tom, hey. Yeah, let's get a live recording right now. <laughs> Tom Hanks. We, we fell, fell in love, love with you. you. Tom Hanks. Just like, like so many do deeply. Because you made a smile. And you're great on screen style. So that's why we give thanks. You've got a friend Tom Hanks.